0: Friends, grace, mercy, and peace be upon you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. In the spring of 1991, my good friend, David Palmer, invited me to consider being, quote, the sound guy for the fall play at our local public high school. Now, you have to understand that up to this point, I was a band guy. Like, that's what I did. I band, right? I marched. I symphonic. I even did percussion ensemble, which is weird since I didn't play percussion. But nevertheless, to this point, I was only a band guy. And there were clear lines of demarcation between band guys and choir people and theater people and never the three shall meet. Yet... Yet in the spring of 1991 David Palmer asked if I would be a sound guy in the theater You see David David was a good friend and he was one of the weird ones he was both a choir kid and a theater kid and I figured if he could do it then maybe I could too And so Then in the spring of 1991, when David Palmer invited me to be, quote, the sound guy for the spring play, I said yes. Now, I want to be really clear. I wasn't like a sound designer, right? I wasn't a sound or a music editor. I was simply the freshman who hit pause and unpause on the cassette tape between each cue. That's what it meant to be a sound guy at the time. And so at the time, I was simply pausing and unpausing, asked to sit in a tiny little black box clothed in carpet right in front of the stage. It was me, a cassette deck, and a bunch of wires heading into what I can only imagine were the recesses of the catwalk theater. Now, David Palmer's invitation was to be the sound guy, but what I didn't realize at the time was the amount of time that I would be holed up in that tiny little box clothed with black carpet out in front of the stage. I didn't realize the amount of time I would be asked to sit through rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal after these overly dramatic theater kids delivered their not yet memorized lines. I didn't realize, <laughs> well, I didn't realize that it would have to be at a tech rehearsal, at a dress rehearsal, at a full makeup rehearsal, that was going to, have to be after show, after show, after show. The yes, interestingly, to David Palmer's invitation was simultaneously a no to a bunch of other things. In fact, I remember thinking at one point, what what? have I gotten myself into with all of this dress-up and makeup and shake and bake-up? Like, what am, I, what am I doing here? And I wonder, actually, if you've ever been there, you know, saying yes to something but not really knowing what you got yourself into. Or maybe it's when you purchased a pet, thinking, you know, that sounds so fun and snuggly, except that it's poop on your carpet at 2 a.m., Or maybe you said yes to a kitchen remodel, dreaming of a new backsplash and the stainless steel appliances and the farmhouse kitchen sink, only to discover that you have a lack of skills cooking on a camp stove and a microwave in your basement. Or maybe, maybe you accepted the invitation into a new role at work, thinking that this will give my family more opportunities in the future, except that it's longer nights and weekends pouring over layers of reporting that you didn't know you would have to do. You know, today we're beginning a new series, and it is a series about invitation. Invitation into, well, into some things that we know and into some things that we don't. This is a series about invitation, invitation into life and life to the full, it is an invitation to say yes to some things and to say no to others. It is a series about invitation, an invitation to walk with Jesus wherever it leads. And it's this invitation, church, that takes us to Matthew chapter 4. So you'll want to grab a Bible, either the one you brought or the one that we provide for you, and let's get together to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18, Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 18. Now, as always, the context here matters, right? Matthew's biography of Jesus, his telling of the good news, is told on purpose and in a particular way. And so, when jumping into a text, it is important to gather up the context in order to understand the the little bit of the story, this tiny little fraction of the story that we'll unpack. And so, thus far in Matthew, Jesus' ministry has really just begun. In fact, if we back up to the beginning of chapter three, we'll hear John the Baptist preach on preparation, right, for the one who will come and make all things right. Uh, John the Baptist invites his hearers towards repentance. He invites them to turn from self-seeking ways and to seek Yahweh. And friends, it's on the heels of John's preaching that Jesus shows up to be baptized when his identity as Son of God is confirmed by the Father's voice from heaven and the Spirit's dwelling. And then as the Son of God in chapter 4, Jesus is led into the desert to be tempted and tried to forsake his identity. but. We know he comes out victorious, having obeyed fully and resting in the Father's words spoken over him at his baptism. And after leaving the desert, after leaving the wilderness, that lonely place, he retreats to Galilee. This is a northern province where he begins to bring the word, to bring good news that God's kingdom, his his present and his active reign has come to earth. And that it is God's desire to bring all people, to bring all people into the kingdom, to pour out forgiveness for the sinner, to impart holiness on the impure, to provide healing to the broken and freedom to the captive. You see, Jesus begins to bring the word, the good news. Jesus begins to bring the gospel. And then here in chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus invites some fishermen to follow him. So let's look at this brief, albeit loaded, invitation of Jesus. It says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets, and they followed him. Friends, this little bit of text, it's a a simple invitation. An invitation to follow me, to walk with me, to be equipped for a different kind of fishing. Jesus inviting those fishermen to walk with him and to to put their gifts and their skills to use for a different kind of catch. Jesus says, walk with me, and I will reorient your purpose and your mission. You know, the the invitation here is quite simple. Walk with me let's keep going. This is verses 21 and 22. It says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, in the case of these brothers of thunder, which they'll become known for later, James and John, Matthew doesn't actually record the words of Jesus's call to them. However, I think we can safely assume that his invitation was the same. Follow me. Walk with me and I will equip you. I will put your skills and your gifts to use. I will reorient you, reorient you to a grand mission. The invitation is quite simple. Walk with me. Now, whether Peter and Andrew, James and John, Matthew notes that all of them immediately say yes to this invitation. They left their nets, they left their boats, they left their father, and they followed. But I wonder, do they know what they got themselves into? Do you want to buy a dog? Yeah, that sounds great. Want to remodel a kitchen? For sure, right? Do you want to be the sound guy? Of course you do. Right at this point, the new dubbed disciples don't know what they don't know. I mean, they they probably have a small idea of what it means to follow a rabbi, to learn the Torah, to imitate that life of that rabbi, to gain power and influence in the communal life of the towns in which they lived, and they worked, and they played, But, but like the invitation to be the sound guy, or to get a pet, or remodel the kitchen, or take the promotion, there comes a point when what you expect is not what you get. Matthew continues, this is verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Here it is, and healing every disease and every sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. When the disciples, just a few short verses after this invitation, have to be thinking, what did we get ourselves into? I'm sure they expected a rabbi who would teach the law, but they got a rabbi who would fulfill the law. I'm sure they expected a rabbi who would keep his distance from sinners, but they got a rabbi who chooses to invite those sinners to dinner. I'm sure they expected a rabbi who would keep his distance from the sick and the impure but they got a rabbi who engaged and even touched the untouchable. I'm sure they expected a rabbi who would teach them how to merit eternal life, but they got a rabbi who invited them into a relationship with one who would merit eternal life for them. What did they get themselves into? What well, they got was not what they expected. In fact, it was so much more. You know, when the disciples left their boats and their nets and their families, it's not to forsake them like a a monk in a desert who cuts off everything from their old life to create a new one, but rather Jesus reorients hearts and minds. And lives to his grand purpose. He realigns priorities to his. He reallocates time and talent to both walking with him and others. See, yes, a yes to following Jesus may mean making Him a priority over other things, other activities, experiences, sports, jobs, relationships. But friends, when Jesus invites us to walk with Him, He invites us into so much more than we can ask or imagine. When Jesus invites us to walk with Him, He he invites us to say yes to a bunch of things that we can't know, and know to a bunch of things that we do know. See, when Jesus invites us to walk with Him, He invites us to go wherever He leads. You know, there's this episode about halfway through the gospel narratives when Jesus is teaching those who are walking with Him to fully consume his life. And a couple of disciples, they speak up and they say to Jesus, this is a hard teaching. And John records in his gospel, he says, from this time, many of the disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. You know, sometimes Sometimes the places where Jesus leads us to is difficult. And so, like those disciples in John chapter 6, we bounce, right? We, we, we say to ourselves, what did we get ourselves into? What we expected is not what we got, and so we walk not with Jesus. We walk away. You know, when Jesus says to you, you are too busy, or when Jesus says to you, you never spend time with me, or when Jesus says, you know, you want what I can give, but you won't give what I want. When Jesus' invitation to full life means that something in your life has to be pruned or perhaps burned up in the fire. You and I often, we don't want it. So instead of pressing in, we tap out. Rather than walk with Jesus, we walk away. You know, when Jesus invites us to walk with Him, He invites us to deny ourselves, to pick up our crosses, and to follow Him. He says in Matthew chapter 16, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, then you will save it. The invitation to walk with Jesus is an invitation to follow wherever He leads. I imagine these same disciples that we meet here in Matthew chapter 4 of Peter and Andrew, of James and John, I imagine these same disciples asking that same question, what did we get ourselves into when they watched Jesus be forcibly taken away from them, be forced to wear a crown not of gold, but of one that would pierce skin and skull. I wonder if they asked, what did we get ourselves into as they hear Jesus gasp for breath, as He commits Himself into the hands of His Father, as He prays for those who have done this evil against Him, as He dies among the criminals, as He's buried and shut into a tomb, What? what have we gotten ourselves into? What they expect is certainly not what they get. When Jesus invites us to walk with Him, He invites us to walk with Him wherever it leads, even to death. What have we gotten ourselves into? I wonder. If they thought the same thing early on a Sunday morning, when the women return from a tomb with a story that sounds unimaginable, I wonder if they thought to themselves, What have we gotten ourselves into as Peter runs to the tomb to see it empty? I wonder. If they thought to themselves, what have we gotten ourselves into when Jesus appears in a locked room with them and says, peace be to you? I wonder if they thought to themselves, what have we gotten ourselves into as Jesus sends them? to be bearers of the good news. I wonder if they thought to themselves, what have we gotten ourselves into as Jesus ascends into heaven and angels from heaven say, what are you staring at? Get to work. I wonder if they thought to themselves, what have we gotten ourselves into when the Spirit of God is poured out on them for power and strength to accomplish the mission? I wonder if they thought, what have we gotten ourselves into You know, it's a beautiful thing when those what-did-I-get-myself-into moments become a catalyst for something beyond your wildest dreams. Right, when those 2 a.m. carpet cleanups become the avenue for a heart connection to a pet who will emotionally carry you through hardships. Or when that kitchen remodel becomes the doorway through which your once-scattered family becomes more connected to each other than ever, gathered in a basement around a camp stove and a microwave, or when, when that new role at work leads you to start a business that you've been dreaming and longing to run, but never had a chance to begin it. You know, when David Palmer invited me to be the sound guy for the score play in the spring of 1991, I didn't realize what a life-changing moment it would become. You see, in the first of four dress rehearsals, a particular student had failed to show up for the rehearsal. And the unflappable Mr. Perry was flapped. He was frustrated by the student who didn't come to rehearsal. And in fairness, he had failed to be at other rehearsals as well. And in his exhaustion and frustration, I heard, like like a trumpet cutting through the silence, Mr. Perry's voice say, Sound Guy Brian, get on the stage. Now, it took me like three long seconds to realize I was Sound Guy Brian, right? And so when I did, I got on stage. I popped out of that box. I stood where Mr. Perry told me to stand. I pretended to know what it was I was doing. And at the end of the scene, Mr. Perry said, Sound Guy Brian, you have the part. Be here tomorrow for makeup and dress up. Now, from that point on, I never looked back. I was now a band kid and (laughs) a theater kid. And theater, theater would open up countless opportunities, and it would cultivate unforgettable friendships like the one with David Palmer, who as his skills would have it, had the privilege of playing the role of Raoul in Phantom of the Opera in New York City. That moment, that invitation to be a sound guy, and the subsequent move of Mr. Perry to put the sound guy on stage and to give him a part with makeup and dress up, The theater would become the backbone of how it is I preach and teach for the kingdom of God. You see, Jesus, Jesus is making an invitation to you and to me walk with me wherever it leads. And some of it, Some of it will be difficult and uncomfortable. Some of it you won't like. Some of it will come in kicking and screaming. But like that early Sunday morning, at the invitation to follow Jesus, to walk with Him wherever He leads. We'll discover a life of abundance and a life to the full, a life we could never have dreamed of experiencing. And so, as we unpack this series, as we spend time certainly in the adult Bible study, as we unpack the ruthless elimination of hurry. And as we walk throughout this year, we'll allow Jesus to send the tempo and the pace and the rhythm of our walking so that you and I might experience life and life to the full. To God be the glory. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, may guard and keep our hearts in Christ Jesus today and every day. Amen.